Now, this morning, I want us to look again at Philippians chapter 4 as we're looking at very practical ways that we can overcome the virus of fear. The virus of fear. We talked two weeks ago about the vaccine for fear that we saw in the life of David. And last week from this passage, we saw that we can have a therapy for our souls over the virus of fear. But this morning, in particular, I want us to see how that we can guard our minds against the virus of fear. And we can put in place guardians, yes, guards for our minds to help us stand against the very virus of fear that can infiltrate our hearts and our minds. Now this week I read a very, very interesting story I'd like to share with you. It comes from the book, The Applause of Heaven, uh, written by uh, Max Lucado, who is a, a pastor and author from Texas, and tells a very interesting story about the infamous robber of the 19th century named Black Bart. Black Bart. And here's what Max Lucado wrote. Quote, during his reign of terror between 1875 and 1883, Black Bart is credited with stealing the bags and the breath away from 29 different stagecoach crews. And he did it all without firing a shot. His weapon was his reputation. His ammunition was intimidation. A hood hid his face. No victim ever saw him. No artist ever sketched his features. No sheriff could ever track his trail. He never fired a shot or took a hostage. He didn't have to. His presence was enough to paralyze. As it turns out, he wasn't anything to be afraid of either. <laughs> when the hood came off, there was nothing to fear. When the authorities finally tracked down the thief, they didn't find a bloodthirsty bandit from Death Valley. They found a mild-mannered druggist from Decatur, Illinois. The man the papers pictured storming through the mountains on horseback was, in reality, so afraid of horses, he rode to and from his robberies in a buggy. He was Charles E. Bowles, the bandit who never once fired a shot because he never loaded his gun. Now that is the story of the infamous robber, Black Bart. He paralyzed people by fear. That was his weapon, and the ammunition was his reputation. He was Black Bart. And my friends, we have to be very, very careful 
that we also don't let the black bark virus of fear get in our heads. When fear gets inside our minds, fear takes control. And when fear takes control, fear robs us. Yes, fear robs us of precious cargo that each one of us is carrying, or we should be carrying, and that is the precious cargo of peace. That is the precious gift that our Lord Jesus Christ has given to us. Remember, he said in John 16, My peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Peace, peace in our hearts and minds is the grace gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our enemy, Satan, wants us to be robbed. He wants us robbed of this precious cargo that we possess. To keep from being held up and robbed, my friends, we have got to do something. We have got to take the hood off fear. We've got to take the hood off fear and recognize that this black bark of fear is no one that we need to be afraid of. We have got to come face to face with this peace-robbing thief of fear. And Philippians chapter 4 tells us how to do that. Now remember, the Apostle Paul is writing from prison. He's in prison. But he's teaching us from prison how to break free from fear. And he's teaching us from prison how to be held captive by peace. That we can break free from the virus of fear and regardless of what's going on around us, we can be held captive by peace. Now, in effect, Paul challenges us. He's challenging us in his passage. He challenges us to stop the mind games of fear. To stop the mind games of fear and stop these mind games of fear by making sure that we don't let our mind become a playground for fear, but we make sure that our mind is a training ground for peace. We have to stop playing the games of fear, allowing that to happen in our mind. Allowing our mind to be a playground for fear. And the only way to do it is to make sure that our minds are truly a training camp for peace. Now, how is that carried out? Well, notice in Philippians chapter 4, we've seen there's three regimens. Three regimens for this peace of mind and heart. First of all, it requires our attitudes for peace. That's verses 2 to 7. Then it requires our attention for peace. That's verse 8. And then it requires our actions for peace. 
And that's found in verse 9. Now last week, you remember, we looked at the Beatitudes, Paul's Beatitudes. The Beatitudes for peace. Let's review those quickly if we might. What are they? These six great qualities which we must determine to have present in our hearts and minds. The Beatitudes of peace. What are they? First of all, be united. We see that in verses 2 and 3. If we want to be people at peace, we've got to be peacemakers ourselves with others and helping others to be at peace. Be united. Number two, be joyful. We're told to rejoice in the Lord. And again, rejoice. It's a, a double command here. Be Joyful. Be joyful. How? In the Lord. He is the source of our joy. Number three, be gentle. Be gentle. That word is sweet reasonableness. Let your sweet reasonableness be known to all people. Be gentle. Be dispositioned toward kindness. And goodness and forbearance. Sweet reasonableness. Number four. Be expectant. Look at verse five. It says the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. And that has both concepts. As the Lord is close by. We're not alone. And the Lord is coming. No matter what is happening. The Lord is by His Holy Spirit, is with us. He's near. But also the Lord in His visible presence is coming. And that coming is drawing near. That's a reason to be joyful because we can be expectant. Number five, be prayerful. We're told in verse six to stop. Stop being anxious about anything and start Praying about everything. Bring everything that causes disquietness of our heart to the Lord. Pray about it. Cast your burden on the Lord. Take your life and all of its circumstances to Him. And determine to stop being someone who's controlled by a spirit of anxiety. By determining to take your mind to the Lord in prayer. Number six, be peaceful. Be peaceful. Verse six says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Then verse seven says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, this is what I want you in particular to notice this morning. He says, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. Note that word in your Bible, guard. That is like a soldier on guard duty. Peace will guard, stand guard around our minds. Now, the ultimate guardian of our minds 
is the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit guards our mind by regeneration. He has given us a mind that has been washed with regeneration, as Paul calls it in Titus 3, 5. Yes, as believers, we have been subjected to brainwashing. And friends, most of our minds need a good washing, right? We have been brainwashed by the washing of regeneration. Through this renewing of the Holy Spirit, our minds have been cleansed by the Holy Spirit. He is the great guardian of our minds, giving us that renewed mind by His Spirit. But the Holy Spirit also guards our mind through the ministry of the captain of our salvation. The captain of our salvation is Jesus Christ. He is the captain of the guard for our hearts and minds. If you remember, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16, that we have the mind of Christ. Through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, this renewing work as we are born again by faith, we are given the mind of Christ. Our mind, which has been depraved by sin, has been made new by the work of regeneration so that we are given the mind of Christ. We're able to think God's thoughts after him through Christ. The Bible tells us, though, that we must practice this mind of Christ. It's that which has been granted to us in our position in Christ, but we must put this to practice. You might turn back just a page in Philippians. You're there in chapter 4. If you look at chapter 2, verse 5, Paul said this as well. He said, have this mind among yourselves. Verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. Let Jesus Christ agree with Jesus Christ as the captain of the guard of your mind. And then, friends, we have the responsibility to be the guardian of our minds. The Holy Spirit has given us a new mind and guards our minds through regeneration. The Lord Jesus Christ has granted to us that his own mind, the mind of Christ. And he is the captain of the guard of our minds. But we must enter in personally and participate in staying alert, staying and standing at attention, as it were, in guarding our minds. Now, here's the question. How do we do that? How do we stand at attention Guarding our minds. Well, we do it by staying attentive. We do it by the process of our thinking. I want you to connect something in your Bibles, if you would, please. Look at verse 7. He says that we have the mind in Christ, are guarding our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We have this mind of Christ, and now we are to guard our hearts and minds. 
And notice what this should be connected with. Look at verse number 8. He says, think on these things. Think about these things. Now, connect those two together. How do we guard our minds? We guard our hearts and minds by the process of our thinking. Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is calling us on duty. He's calling us on duty as guards to guard our thinking, to have mental attention, not to be just on vacation, not to be chilling out, so to speak, but to be very engaged, guarding our thoughts with mental attention. Now, I want you to notice what is the attention for our peace? What is it that we're to be attentive to? Verse 7 says that we're to guard our hearts and minds. Notice that hearts and minds, those are synonyms, but they're not quite the same. But they're synonyms for our inner man, the inner qualities of who we really are. Our mind has to do with our volition. It has to do with our thinking, how we think. Our heart has to do with our emotions, what we, we feel, what we sense. So this is talking about our consciousness. We are to stand guard on our hearts and our minds, both our emotional consciousness and our minds, which is our volitional consciousness. Now, how do we do this? How do we protect this precious treasure? Well, we do it by standing on guard against three infiltrators. Three infiltrators that want to come in to the camp of our thinking, our mind, and our emotions. Notice the three members of this gang. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil desire to creep into our thinking so that our peace is overcome as the focus is transitioned to the things that are of this world. The things that are of the flesh, that is the old redeemed mindset that we have, the mind from the past. We focus on those things which are of that part of us. It's not yet fully redeemed. Our mental processes. And then there is the devil who desires us to focus on that which is not true, that which is not of God. We have to stand on guard against these three infiltrators of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And they are very gifted in impersonating our allies. <laughs> if we're not careful, they impersonate our allies. So how do we defend? How do we defend our minds against these infiltrators of our peace? How do we do this? Well, we have to use the passwords. 
The passwords that the Lord has given us, the captain of our salvation has given us passwords to guard the gates of our mind. Passwords that are there to identify our thoughts. Whether they are friendlies, they're friendly thoughts to our well-being, or whether they are threats to our well-being. We have to challenge our thoughts by these passwords. This is what Paul is sharing with us. Now, what are these passwords that are to guard the gates of our mind? They're found in verse 8. Let's look at them quickly, please. Finally, brothers, he says, whatever things are true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. Now notice, he gives us these passwords. These passwords which can guard the entrance of our mind. They're passwords for peace. Passwords for peace. Carefully notice them again if you would. What are we to set as guardians of our mind? We are to think on those things which are true, first of all. Notice, they're true. That means more than just factually true. They're faithfully true. That means that they are in agreement with the truth of God. We're not to think on things just because they're factually true, but are they things which are faithfully true? Do they agree with the truth of God. Here's another guardian of our thoughts. Those things which are honorable. Honorable here means noble, respectful. Noble or respectful. Think on those things which are true, honorable. Thirdly, those things which are just. The word just here means righteous. It means in harmony with God's character. When we think on things that are just, we're thinking on things that are in agreement with the character of God. Think on things which are pure. Pure here means morally clean. That which is not dirty, filthy. It's morally clean. Think on the things that are morally clean. Think on the things which are lovely. The word lovely here, an amazing word. It, it means attractive. But it means attractive in a sense that it, it prompts love. It draws out love out of your heart. Think on things that are lovely, attractive. They draw out the highest qualities of you. Think on things which are Commendable. Commendable here means highly respected or well thought of. Think on those things. And then Paul summarizes. He summarizes these guardians. He says, if there are things which are excellent, that means they have the quality of being admirable. 
You, you admire it because of its nature. If there's anything excellent or anything worthy of praise, that is, it's well spoken of and it deserves to be well spoken of. Anything worthy of praise, think on these things. And the word there, think, means your mindset, the focus of your mind. Actively thinking on these things. Now, why is it so important that we stand guard and we stay attentive regarding our thought life? Why is this so important, friends? Well, it's so important because our thoughts are the key of our identity. Our thoughts are the key of our identity. It's been well said, you may not be what you think you are, but what you think, you are. You are what you think. The Bible tells us that as a man thinks in his heart, that is what he is. Some people protest this. Many people say, well, you can't help what you think about. Uh, this, that's impossible. You can't help what you think about. Why? Of course you can help it. You can help it. Why? Because God, first of all, says you can. He says that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can help what you think about. And then he tells us how we can do that. Here's how. By following actively these qualities we can help ourselves what we think. The key is not a thought. He's not saying that you're never going to have a bad thought. But he is saying you don't have to let your mind be controlled by that thought. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said you can't help having a bird fly over your head. But you don't have to permit it to build a nest in your hair. Yes, we have bad thoughts from time to time, but he is talking about our thinking here. How we think, the process of our thoughts, even the environment of our thoughts. What kind of environment do we create for our thoughts? I remember many years ago, a lady came to me for some counseling regarding her marriage. And I was somewhat surprised because she had not been married that long. She was married later in life to a man who was a, a widower. And as I talked to her and asked her to help me understand what was going on, she said something like this. She said, Pastor Sam, I love him and I believe he loves me, but I'm troubled. I'm really troubled. And I said, well, why? Help me to understand it. And she said, well, you know, we were married last year. I said, yes. She said, well, we were married last year, and then I moved into his house. But Pastor Sam, there are pictures of his former wife everywhere. Everywhere in the house are pictures of his former wife. And it is so troubling to me. 
Well, a few days later, I was able to have an appointment with her husband, and I explained his wife's concern. And I said something like this to him, as I recall. I said, brother, do you remember that beautiful service that you had for your wife in that funeral home? Do you remember that beautiful service you had in the funeral home? He said, well, certainly, yes, I do. And I said, well, my brother, you've got to have a funeral service in your home. You've got to have a funeral service in your home. Your first wife will always have a special place in your heart, but she cannot continue to live in your home. There's only room for you and your wife in your home. And thank God the Lord gave that, that dear brother understanding about that, and he responded in such grace and it was such an encouragement to his wife. And God gave them great peace as a result of his response. My friend, if we're going to have thoughts that follow the Lord's will, they've got to be thoughts of our new life. Thoughts of our new life in Jesus Christ. They have to be our focus. How can we do that? Well, we can do that by focusing on beauty. Focus on the beauty of God's world. Look at verse 8. There are many things in this world. Still, yes, even though this world is a sinful world, there is much in this world that's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, Excellent, worthy of praise. These qualities that Paul mentions here, they were commended by the pagans. The pagans commended these things. And there was in the world that which was worthy of focus and commendation. And Paul said, think on those things. Think on the beautiful things that are in this world. But friends, let me also help you use the verse this way. Think on the beautiful things that are in the word of God, not just the world, but God's word, because guess what you will find, my friend? What will you find in the word of God? You will find the word of God is true. The word of God is honorable. The word of God is just. The word of God is pure. The word of God is lovely. The word of God is commendable. The word of God is excellent. The word of God is worthy of praise. You will find those qualities in the word. So fill your mind with the word of God. And where else do you see beauty? You see it in God's world. You see it in God's word. But you also see it in God's wonderful son. What do you have here in this verse? This is a portrait of Jesus. It's a portrait of Jesus. When you focus on Jesus, what do you find out about Jesus? Here's what you'll find out. Jesus is true. Jesus is honorable. Jesus is just. Jesus is pure. Jesus is lovely. Jesus is commendable. Jesus is excellent. And Jesus is so, so 
worthy of praise, isn't it? You see, how do we focus our minds? We focus our minds on the things that are beautiful in this world, in the Word of God, and in the wonderful Son of God. That's how we guard our minds, by actively thinking on these things. And finally, my brother and sister, here is the way that we guard our minds and guard them that they might be at peace. We must have attitudes for peace. We must have attention for our peace. But then it requires action. Action. Look at verse 9 as we close. Verse 9. Paul said to these believers, What you have learned and received and have heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of, what's the next word? Peace. The God of peace will be with you. You see, if we want to be a people who overcome the virus of fear, we've got to be people of action. And our action is to put into practice these things that we have learned and received. Learned and received, that's interesting. They go together, these two couplets. Learned and received. Learned here comes a word from disciple. Paul saying, I discipled you in these things. What did he disciple with them? He discipled them the things that they had received. The word received here has to do with the body of truth that they had received. They had received the teachings of the gospel. They had received the teachings of the word of God. They had been discipled in these things. And then in a very personal sense, Paul reminds them, and what you heard, that is what you heard from me, when I was teaching, what you heard from me when I was talking with you. What you heard and what you saw in me. You not only heard me talk about it, but you saw me walk it out. The things that you learned from me as I discipled you, the things that I communicated to you, the word of the gospel, the message of Christ, the things that you have heard of me as I have talked with you and you have seen in my manner of life, you do these things and the God of peace will be with you. Peace is the manifested presence of the God of peace. My friend, if we're going to have peace, then we need to be people who follow models of peace. Who do you model your life after? Some of us have no peace because the people that we model our lives after are not peace-filled people. Paul was a peace-filled man, filled with the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the love of God. He walked it out and he said, now you follow me as I follow Christ and you'll know peace. Who are your role models? And then if you want to know peace, my friend, not only should you follow role models, you yourself should be a role model. Practice these things. Practice these things. 
That, yes, people may say, see your good works. Why? And glorify you. No, glorify your Father which is in heaven. Determine that your role models will be people of peace and that you will role model what it means to be a person of peace. Guarding your mind with these wonderful, beautiful truths. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will stand guard over your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. We can stand in peace because we stand on the solid rock of Jesus Christ.